Hi there, everybody, and welcome to the um, ISC podcast, well, webinar on um, on the menopause, which is something that we're wanting to focus upon today. I mentioned podcasts; it's also going to be going out on my podcast if you want to catch up on it at a later date or share it with anybody. So, the thing that we're wanting to do today, as I say, is to really focus upon the menopause, and we've got some expert speakers on the panel today. And what we're wanting to do is to really kind of break the taboo when it comes to menopause, because it's one of those things that I've not, I've not reached menopause yet, but I do have my mum is going through it. She's going through a late menopause at the age of 66. And I have my mother-in-law going through it, who's in her early fifties. And it's, it's something that really before they've gone through it, I kind of, I know about it. And I know that there's those kind of situations where I think in my mind, the first things I think about are the fact that, um, well, one, I'll stop having periods, um, that I'll possibly um, put weight on, that I may need to take something known as HRT. But I don't really know what that means. And from speaking to different people, I know that there is a lot of things that I simply don't know about which is, is really strange because it's something that all women are going to go through, but it just seems to be something that we don't really discuss too much. So one thing to do today is to provide some insights into kind of the medical background side of things. So to be clear, nobody on the call is a, a medical professional, but we do have some people who do have some expertise and have been able to get some pointers in the right direction in terms of things that we would need to know. And we've also got some lived experiences from people on the panel and they're going to share what they've been through because as with anything everybody is different symptoms can be different the way that we're able to react to the the changes will be different and it can come things that are, are different in terms of what it's been like with our employer our the way that we experience it how we work could have quite a significant change on how we're able to react to those changes but also can be discussing things like how to approach these conversations with people if you are in the financial services and you're supporting a client and they happen to be going through the menopause, possibly some additional considerations that you need to have when you're having those conversations. And then kind of naturally how this would then potentially flow into other areas such as your own workspace, whether or not that's for you, or potentially supporting a colleague who is going through the menopause. And then also in terms of family members and friends, as I say, it is something that we're all going to be facing at some stage. So the first thing I want to do is ask everybody on panel to introduce themselves, just give a little bit of background as to who they are and to why they're, they're joining us on the session today. So Sean, if I can ask you first, please, to introduce yourself. Thank you very much, Catherine, and uh, good afternoon, everybody. Um, I'm Sean Fisher. I'm, I happen to be the current CEO of the Chartered Insurance Institute. Um, uh, I'm, I'm also a long-standing friend and colleague of, of the ISC and Barbara and also of Johnny Timpson. So when I was asked to, to do this, obviously, I was, I was very keen to see if I could help. Um, and in common with most women of my age, so I'm, I'm in my late 50s, um, I'm actually experiencing the menopause firsthand. So uh, it, it, as Catherine said, it doesn't seem to be something that people are comfortable to talk about, um, but it is a fact. So um, let's get on and talk about it, in my view. Fantastic. Christine, can you please introduce yourself? Yeah. Thanks, Catherine. And good afternoon, everybody. I'm Christine Husbands. I'm the Managing Director of Red Arc Nurses, who you may or may not have heard of. And we provide value-add services to a wide range of organisations, including many protection insurers. Um, like Sean, I'm late 50s and I'm also going through the menopause, um, so I've got a lived experience of it too. Um, I'm not clinically trained, even though I do head up Red Arc, but I have um, gained a lot of knowledge from the nurse teams that I work with that hopefully will be helpful insight uh, during the course of the next 45 minutes to an hour. Thank you, Christine. And Helen, can you please introduce yourself? Yes, thank you, Catherine. And yes, good afternoon, everybody. Um, my name is Helen Dick. Uh, I'm the Senior Manager uh, of Underwriting and Claim Strategy at Scottish Widows. Um, and as my title suggests, I've uh, been invited along today to, to give an underwriting view uh, on the menopause and, and, and symptoms associated with it. And uh, also from a personal experience, having, having come through it, 
be happy to share some of my experiences uh, with you all as well. Thank you, everybody. And just for everyone to know as well, so I'm Catherine Knowles. I'm the Managing Director at Cura Financial Services. So we are a, a financial well, insurance broker firm within the protection space. I'm an advisor there. So one of the things I really wanted to start off possibly in the conversation, I'm going to quickly go into the chat because I know that everybody on panel has a lot of experience and thoughts to be able to share with everybody. And we do only have four to five minutes before we're going to be going into the Q&A. So please do send us in any questions that you have or any thoughts that you have that we can potentially discuss towards the end. So as an example, when we look like looking at things when it comes to the menopause, um, when we're looking at these statistics, there's about 13 million women in the UK that are currently experiencing some form of uh, some stage of the menopause and experiencing the menopause symptoms. So that's that's a real a lot of people. And for myself, when I think of that as an, from an advice point of view, when I'm speaking to people, that's obviously half of my clients are women in any case. Um, but that's a lot of people that are going to be engaging with our services who are going through the menopause. And there's quite a few considerations that we maybe need to look at when it comes to the symptoms that might be being experienced. I say everybody's individual, so we just, we never know. But when you look into things, about one in four women are going to be experiencing significant menopausal symptoms that are going to be impacting upon um, things like their ability to work, um, possibly their, their home relationships, and maybe also their understanding um, of financial services and different decisions that they are making. And something that I found really interesting as well was looking into it. And well, I say interesting, but also quite sad is in some of the research, it shows that about 72% of women feel that they've been unsupported by their employer when they've been going through the menopause. And for me, as I'm sure everybody on the panel will say, and for the majority of people who are listening, that's just not okay to have almost three quarters of women feeling as if they've not had support when it is something, as I say, that all of us are going to face. And it's, it really shouldn't be the case in sort of modern times that we are not having an environment where people can feel that they can just go through a natural stage in life and, and be fully supported. So one of the first things I think would be really useful is to chat to you, Christine, and to get a bit of a background as to what the menopause is. Because I think, you know, by the aspect of me knowing, okay, so it means that I'm not gonna say not, no more periods, no more children now. Um, I don't know much about it. So can you please enlighten us a bit? Yeah, of course. So as you said, Catherine, menopause is the point where a woman no longer has menstrual periods. For most women, it's between the ages of 45 to 55. And I was spot in the middle. I think I was age 50, which is probably the only thing I've ever done on time in my life, but there you go. And at this stage, basically the ovaries have stopped releasing eggs and producing most of their estrogen. And actually menopause is actually diagnosed when a lady has gone without a period for 12 consecutive months. Some of the common symptoms, and I have to say, you know, some people have very few or very minor symptoms and others have very extreme. Um, you know, some of the common symptoms are, of course, hot flushes, most people, night sweats, in fact, recurrent um, UTIs, urinary tract, tract infections, mood swings, fatigue, hair loss, certainly hair thinning, I've experienced that, sleep disorders, difficulty concentrating, which is one of the ones that Catherine alluded to in terms of understanding, memory lapses, dizziness, weight gain, incontinence, bloating, allergies, high uh, heartbeats, depression, anxiety, and the list goes on. But there are some quite unusual ones things like itchy skin and a propensity to electric shocks. And of course, there's also the very personal and, and intimate effects that ladies can experience, which can have a significant effect on their relationships and therefore their well-being as a whole. Some symptoms can be really difficult to manage. I'm sure you can appreciate that from some of the ones I've just listed and I haven't listed them all. Hot flushes are probably the most um, commonly uh, recognized one is you're going through the menopause or you're having hot flushes and actually they can be really really embarrassing and they're often the butt of very bad taste jokes and as a lady working with men not just men though to be fair not just men but you know it can be wear a bit thin and you can get a bit fed up with smiling and laughing when they're actually 
having to go and making light and making fun of, of your predicament. And, and some ladies, I mean, I was quite fortunate, I just got very hot, but some ladies can really excessively perspire, excessively, and it can be really, really embarrassing. And a little tale that um, a lady told me recently, it was a lady who worked in a personal uh, capacity with people using both hands. And she said, you know, when a hot flush comes and I've got both hands working with my client and the perspiration's pouring down my brow, she said, it's so embarrassing and you feel so bad about it. And it really does knock on your self-esteem and your professional capabilities. So you can understand how it's a real difficulty. Fortunately, I wasn't that bad and still am not, but it can be really difficult. And as I say, if you are sweating excessively, it's not good at all. On average, the menopause, the symptoms of the menopause last about four years, but about 10% apparently last up to about 12 years um, and then the stage before the menopause that's known as peri perimenopause and that can begin eight to ten years before the actual menopause which was 12 months without a period so it's as the body is winding down in terms of producing eggs um, and at that stage people can start a woman can start to experience menopausal symptoms but they're still having the menstrual cycle and they can still get pregnant. So it's a kind of being careful to know that you're actually in the menopause or not. So that's a bit of a snapshot of what the menopause is and what the key symptoms are. Hopefully that's... Yeah, that's really useful, thank you. And I think it kind of, part of that hits home to me as well in the sense of my, I say my mum is, is going through things and she had, she had this very, very long time period. The doctors were kind of like, you're going through menopause. And she was like, oh, thankfully, and then she'd have another period, she'd maybe gone nine or 10 months, and then she'd suddenly have another one, and it'd be a case of, oh, I'm back to square one, when will this never end? And she just kind of, she was just really, really wanting it to happen after quite a while. And then another thing for me is that sometimes, I imagine the hot flushes, again, are, are quite difficult, and definitely from what you were saying, Christine, but on the basis that, I know with my mum, with her being in her 60s, she doesn't feel like she can wear a strappy top. You know, she, she just doesn't feel as if strappy tops are her kind of wear and she probably wants to wear something with a bit of a longer arm. And I'll sometimes say to her, you know, um, well, mum, if, you, if you're getting really hot, why don't you put a strappy top on or something? She'd be like, no, I can't. And I think that also doesn't help the situation that she doesn't feel comfortable to necessarily be wearing mm. the same kind of clothing that somebody who would be younger than her would be wearing. And I know that that's possibly happened with my mother-in-law too. Um, but it'd be quite interesting to now move over to your um, sort of knowledge and experience. And obviously, I know you've said obviously going through it yourself, but coming from the underwriting side of things in the insurance space, you obviously have a, a lot of knowledge in terms of the medical um, aspects of what's happening to people as their bodies are changing and how that can also have an influence in terms of the insurances that people can access. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Catherine. And thanks, Christine, for that, uh, that insight as well. Um, it, it's really useful to, to, to hear it all and, and just people talking about it quite naturally, and especially when it's, it's so personal and, and we've been through it ourselves. Um, I mean, if, if I can start off just by saying my, my own personal experience was probably very fortunate because I uh, didn't experience uh, many of the symptoms, certainly none of the severe symptoms. Um, and I think the certainly the hot flushes, definitely. Um, I, I recall having to, to run out in the garden and, and just cool down in the, in the cold air outside because I thought it was my whole body was on fire. So it, it's things like that, that that you think, you know, people think you're mad, what you're doing standing outside um, in the freezing cold. But uh, it is things like that that it makes you do to try and get some some relief from it. But apart from that, that was probably the main symptom that I experienced and, and was very lucky that, you know, it, it didn't last very long with me, maybe two or three years at the very most. So by my mid 40s, I had had come through it really um, and uh, was was probably one of the lucky ones, I would say, in that respect. Um, but putting it into a bit of an underwriting context, um, yeah, it, it's one of these things that um, doesn't really, I mean, it's good news really for, for people looking to take out protection insurance because it doesn't really impact um, the underwriting uh, terms that, that, that we can offer. Um, for example, our application forms don't specifically ask about the menopause or, or any specific treatment in that respect. 
um, what it's what it can be uh, disclosed uh, by is, is if someone is having severe symptoms and they're maybe undergoing some investigation or maybe they are taking uh, treatment um, that uh, they will disclose that under those questions on our application forms. Um, but to support that, our, under, our electronic underwriting rules do actually cater for, for those uh, disclosures. And around 95% will get standard rates without um, you know, very many questions being asked. Um, it's, it's mainly the 5% where there maybe is investigation or there's been an early hysterectomy um, you know, that, that's causing concern for, for maybe something else a bit more sinister going on. Um, so it's those types of cases that we would look at a bit more closely. Uh, however, I would say it's still very rare to actually go out and ask for medical evidence um, for those types of cases. Um, I think probably one of the, the main risk factors that, that we would look out for would be a connection with osteoporosis, um, which is, is basically sort of brittle bones, you know, your back starts to to give way. Um, I've got a cousin that's, that's suffered really badly from that, um, having come through the menopause. Her osteoporosis got much, much worse and she's had two fractures in her spine as a result. So it's those kind of severe um, types of conditions that we would look out for uh, from an underwriting point of view, particularly from a, a life and critical illness point of view, for sure. Um, anxiety, depression can be a factor again as well, but that tends to be you know, less severe uh, types of uh, conditions, more anxiety, uh, and maybe maybe with a little bit of depression. But um, even for mental health disclosures of that kind, you know, our own stats at the Scottish Widows that I can I can refer to, we certainly still can get offered terms to customers around about seventy-five to eighty percent will still get standard rates for those disclosures on their own. Um, so it, it's a consideration, but it's not a big impact, uh, certainly for, for someone on the menopause uh, in isolation. Um, so I suppose in summary, what I'm saying is, you know, the good news is for, for protection insurance, it, it's, it, it, it is good news. You know, you can apply for it. Don't be frightened uh, to disclose the information um, if your application does um ask questions that you feel you have to answer in the, in the way that's connected to the menopause, do it because it's not going to impact, you know, be reassured that that's something that, that we can certainly look at. But, uh, you know, as I've said, that high percentages, 95 at least in, in our experience, uh, anyway, from our own data, uh, would be given standard rates for both life and critical illness cover. Yeah. I was going to say, especially when we're talking about maybe like the anxiety and depression side of things when it comes to the insurance underwriting, I think there can sometimes be quite a misunderstanding a lot of the time as what's going to be available. Um, and certainly my experience as an advisor, that's, you know, essentially sorry, the, the milder anxiety and depression are probably not going to have a, a significant influence with most insurers when somebody's going for the life and critical illness cover. Just to clarify one little bit there though, Helen. So, um, with some, if somebody was um, taking HRT, is that yeah. something that would be coming up in the in the question set in the like the have you been prescribed something in the last four weeks kind of questions when we're looking at these protection insurances? They can do. I mean, if, if a customer did disclose that as a treatment that they were on, um, we do have our electronic rules to cater for that as well. And again, it's, it's one of those rules that we pretty much give standard rates every time. So unless somebody's on HRT at a very young age for a different reason, then it would take it down a different route. But if you're on HRT because of the menopause, then you're gonna go through it standard rates. Okay, yeah. thank you. And Sean, I think we're going to, to come to you now for you to give your experience of what it's been like to, and what it is like at the moment, um, to be going through menopause. Sorry, I'll just, I always keep my thing on mute because sometimes you get the sort of feedback from when you're doing these things, don't you? Um, so I, I suppose there's, there's two perspectives for, for me that have been interesting. Um, one is my own personal experience, but the other has been a big programme of work that the CII has kind of sponsored and um, uh, which some of you, some of your companies have actually been involved in, which is called Insuring Women's Futures. Um, and if I just said, the, the, the thing that's come out most starkly for, 
from that whole program for me is just this realization that there just is a different life experience for men and women. It's not right or wrong. It's not, um, it's not judgmental. It just is a fact. Women do, you know, women are designed to have babies and men are not. And that does actually make a difference to the lived experience of, of men and women. And strangely, we, we still seem reticent to just accept that, you know, gender, gender in itself is actually an amazing biological fact. And it applies to almost everything. If it's, you know, if it's atoms, if it's birds, if it's everything, there's gender in everything. There's male and female, there's positive and negative, there's yin and yang, whatever you want to call it. So it's an absolute natural phenomenon. And somehow in our, in our sort of human society, we've managed to attach all kinds of negative connotations, whether they're humorous or otherwise, to the female lived experience. Um, and, uh, you know, I think things are changing significantly and we've got the opportunity to talk more openly about all kinds of things. I mean, mental health just generally was in this category. I mean, my darling mummy's living with dementia. I mean, nobody, I mean, my grandmother probably died of dementia, but we never, we never talked about it. At least with my mother, it's fully openly recognised and and we can even talk with her about it. I mean, that would never have happened in the past. And um, I just get this feeling that that some a few things are left, which are you know quite difficult still for for people to t- talk about. And and if if the Ensuring Women's Futures program showed up anything, it's like that. It, don't feel like that. You know, the fact that that there are two genders or two genders, and there's a very good biological reason for why women are the way they are. And that is not a negative thing. You know, everyone wants to have babies. Men want to have babies. So, you know, there are two genders for that reason. And uh, and we we have to understand what those differences of lived experience are and uh, adapt our worlds for that, not be hyper judgmental about one set of of lived experience and penalise for that set of lived experience. So I think that, you know, that just came out very strongly from from that program and and really how unnecessary that is, because if everybody understands and everybody's open, what's the problem? You know, it's a fact. So we we have to acknowledge it. So from a personal perspective, um, uh, you know, I've had an interesting family experience. So my mother was very fortunate that she never had, uh, because I suppose, I don't know whether the menopause is linked in any, or your, sorry, I don't know whether your experience of the menopause is linked at all to your earlier experience. So I'd actually be interested in Christine's view on that. So I suffered from PMT, I suppose, is, 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 um, is what it was. And again, because of my age, that was not something that was very easy to talk about. Um, and eventually I found a kind of way through it by taking the pill, uh, which helped me. Um, but nobody ever really explained that to me. It was just something that kind of seemed to work better than other things. Um, and so I took the pill for 30 years, like we all do. Um, and um, and then actually, I don't know whether it's connected to the pill. I suspect it is. A lot of, a lot of women of my age who have taken the pill, their life now have fibroids. Uh, the medical profession is not that, comfortable with fibroids they don't that I, I know they know what they are etc but they're not comfortable with them and therefore the 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 usual solution to them is a hysterectomy there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of other options that are livable with um, so there's an awful lot of women of my age are also having hysterectomies which is another thing which is not openly acknowledged and is not talked about I think people would probably be quite shocked if they realized how many of their colleagues were actually going having, having a hysterectomy as well um, but what that can do is is also bring your menopause on kind of quite suddenly I suppose is the right way to put it um, and again there the, the, you are told but there isn't a lot of discussion about what that means and what might happen um, and so you know that that is quite a shock when you've been you know just feeling in yourself you know fit and healthy and normal and then suddenly you know you have a hot flush because people talk about it as a hot flush but boy oh boy it's a very very odd experience extremely odd experience and as as ladies have said you know that the, it can be better or worse 
Um, but just picture this, you know, I, my job is quite a sort of public job and I spend an awful lot of my time doing stuff like this. Um, and the very first major speech I had to make as the CEO of, of, uh, of the CII, and it was, you know, it's quite a complicated topic I was talking about. And I hadn't long had my hysterectomy and suddenly I just had the most incredible hot, hot flush experience. Now, I got through it and I've learned some, you know, some sort of techniques to, you know, to deal with it. But, um, but you know, but it, it wasn't something which I felt that I would be able to share or to think about how I could be helped to, to manage that or, or whatever, because it's, you know, because again, it, it is something where everybody's just like, oh, don't talk about that, just get through it. Um, and uh, I, ju I just feel it would be better for people coming like yourself, Catherine, you know, younger people coming up behind if there was, you know, if there was a more open, even if humorous, you know, uh, acceptance of it, but, and something where women themselves felt able to help each other in terms of, of talking openly about it. And it, and it wasn't something that was, you know, such a taboo. So um, I, uh, I totally, uh, I, I'm, with, I'm with Helen in, in, in terms of uh, uh, some of her friends that she's saying it can be quite an extraordinary experience. Anyway, I, up here, I'm hoping, Christine, I've got my fingers firmly crossed, that I think I'm about five years in, and it's certainly a lot in the sense of, of the physical day-to-day -day symptoms, it's a lot better. Um, so, but then, but then one of the really weird things, and Catherine, I hate, hate to share this with, with a younger lady as well, is you start to grow hair on your face as well. That is a real killer. That's a real horror show. And uh, my partner laughs as, as a man because he says, well, he said, men have to put up with the fact that their hair drops out of their head and starts growing out of their nose. So I suppose it's only fair for women to have something similar that they have to put up with as well. But anyway, just on a slightly humorous note, I, I thought I would just share that with you. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. It's something to plan for maybe going forward <laughs> I'm, to, I'm told electrolysis is very good but <laughs> um i think another thing but i mean obviously that in itself would potentially as we were saying about the anxiety and the depression side of things you know people would potentially find that quite anxiety inducing you know to have sort of like hair starting to grow on the face and different things but you know, surprising what you were saying sean and it just it fills into so many things. You know, it's like saying, well, I'm, I'm feeling a bit of a hot flush. I can imagine people going to maybe a colleague who's a friend and maybe just sort of like doing that thing. You know, sometimes when we say something that we kind of think is taboo and we kind of say it in a really hushed voice and we maybe just mouth it to someone or like say it in a really, really strange voice and sort of like, you know, sort of like having a hot flush or something. And I can imagine it'd be exactly the same. So it's like for myself, if I was having having a period, um, it's my time of the month, that I would maybe be going to a colleague and obviously my one of my main colleagues is my husband, so I probably wouldn't be saying it hush-hush to him. I'd be asking for sympathy from him, obviously. Um, but, you know, sort of like saying to somebody, oh, I, I don't feel well, you know, sort of mouthing the word period or something. And um, in all fairness, I do think that with the majority of my colleagues, they would put, probably just loudly say it and then all the fellas would just instinctively kind of um, recoil a little bit at the thoughts of having it mentioned. Um, but it is strange that we do have still that kind of thing where even with something like that, again, something that we're experiencing every month, that we're kind of doing a, it's, it's kind of like something we have to whisper to each other rather than just saying, do you know what, the next two days aren't going to be particularly nice for me. Can I possibly stay at home on the sofa with my laptop and a hot water bottle? You know, that's, it's strange that we don't have that yet. I do find that, you know, as a, you know, when I say younger or older, I mean nothing by it, but it's just, a, you know, there has been a bit of a generational shift. I mean, I know that, you know, ladies in the office will now bring in a hot water bottle or whatever, if, you know, if it's, if it's a day when they're not feeling, you know, particularly great. And again, it's, you know, it, it shouldn't feel brave. Do you know what I mean? Because why, you know, why, why should it be something that you'd be worried about? Because it, you know, because it might have an implication. I mean, the fact is, people, you know, do suffer, you know, do have pain, and, and there, there doesn't appear to be enough sort of medical research about, you know, how, how you can help people with these things. It's like, everyone shrugs their shoulders and say, oh, well, women have always suffered from that from the time of memorial, so you've just got to get on with it, you know, and um, I'm sure, I'm sure that, it, you know, 
you know, let's let's get some more let's get some more lady research scientists and 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 you know let's start looking at some of these things that that really do affect women and affect women's lives and and you know see what we can do to improve the situation because it's you know it, it's a it it isn't it 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 doesn't seem either constructive or fair that there are some very unpleasant uh, sort of symptoms of, of life that women are just expected to put up with uh, as opposed to fully understanding them and working out what we can do to you know to make the effects better christine i was do you mind me asking a question catherine i was i i meant to ask you the other day is there any is there any known connection between pmt and uh and what what effect menopause might have I wish you'd asked me the other day because I could have found out for you. I don't know is the answer. I'm sorry. I don't want no, that's to right. yeah. well, we can certainly find out. No, I, yeah. I don't, don't know, to be honest. I only think it's, it's you know, because quite a lot of women do have, you know, a poor experience uh, in their younger life uh, uh, as well from PMT. So, but if you knew that, you know, it was something that you could then, you know, needed to think about because it was likely to you know, have some impact but um but as i say i i've, I've actually never looked never looked into that no, myself i don't know but certainly yeah. see whether there is any research or any evidence suggesting that and i just don't know so, so but while i've got the floor i would just like to sort of urge now caution because i think um uh, whilst i think it's absolutely right that we should be airing this hence why i'm here and everything I think we've got to be mindful that whether this is socially conditioned or not, but it is where we are, that a lot of women, this is a very, very private thing. And not everybody will be comfortable with saying, yes, I'm going through the menopause, so therefore I'm not having periods, or yes, I'm having a period. Some women won't want to talk like that. Um, and so I be, I can, you know, just think about people I've worked with that would be, no, they wouldn't want, they might um, want some understanding that, that things aren't, the same or whatever but I think some people might be quite nervous about that and may not you know we think we're going to be careful that they're not going to be asked what they might perceive as being intrusive questions into something that's quite personal to them and whether that's social conditioned or whatever if that's how a lady feels that's how a lady feels and when you build onto that the impact of the menopause itself giving anxiety potentially um, and those sorts of things then it could make uh, life a little bit worse as well so I think it's one of those it's it's important to be aware of but we're quite delicate with how yeah, we I would agree with that. Yeah. you're absolutely I would agree with that Christine sorry oh no no you go ahead I, I was just going to say it's it, it's finding out something that is um it, it's not like the same for everybody we, we, I think we've, we've we've kind of covered that side of it but it, it's how people feel about uh, talking about it and and I suppose as either as employers or as colleagues, it, it's understanding what are, what is what is the right thing for us to do to make mm. that person feel better uh, mm. in their personal circumstance, particularly if they don't if they're not somebody that we'd want to talk about it. Mm. Um, and I think doing a bit more um, research, either as employers or managers or whatever, uh, to find out how we can help our colleagues or or, or our friends for that matter as well, that might not want to talk about it either. Um, so yeah, doing, doing a bit more research on that front. And, and I think it's something I know within uh, Lloyds Banking Group, anyway, they're doing more awareness about the menopause and how they can try and get, um, you know, more experts in that field as well to, to come and, and talk to, to our people and um, really come up with suggestions as well as um, ideas as to how to, to make that situation better and for people's understanding to be improved I suppose about what they can do to help colleagues and friends mm -hmm. and it, it's finding out a bit more about that and that's what we're trying to do as well to to improve that situation for it for everybody so there's there's more we can do certainly um, I think from a, a, an employer point of view but also how we can then translate that into how we help our friends and family as well. Absolutely. I'm, I'm conscious, sorry, for this bit on time because I, I knew we'd do this. We sort of were starting to chat quite a lot and I'm conscious of it. So I just want to sort of like make sure that we get some, so like go to the next stages so that we can make sure that we can answer some of the questions that are coming in. So I suppose the next thing that sort of like I think would be quite interesting for people is that there is this thing all about HRT. So I know that the, you know, HRT 
hormone replacement therapy. I've heard of it. I've also heard that some people are like, I'm going for that. No one's denying me HRT. And other people say, no, not for me. So Helen, I was just wondering, can you kind of explain what HRT is and kind of like that kind of like the pros and the cons of it in some ways? Yeah, well, again, I'm not a, a medical expert uh, by any means, but certainly, um, you know, the, the HRT can just help to replace some of the hormones that are not getting naturally created in, in the body. Um, and that can just help to suppress some of the symptoms. Um, I know my sister, for example, has has been on HRT for, for quite some time now, and she's tried several times to come off. But every time she does, she gets her severe symptoms will come back and she just says, no, I want to take the tablets again. And, you know, her GP will, will give her, um, you know, advice around, you know, trying to cut them down, cut them back, because, you know, it, it's not, it, it's something I understand anyway, it's not good for your body to have this unnatural creation, if you like, of, of hormones. Uh, and it can have other um implications you know from a, a medical point of view um, and I believe you know GPs in particular try not to have people on it for too long it can help the symptoms but similarly can cause problems further down the line that's probably as as much as I I know about the implications of, of taking the HRT and how it can help in some situations but it's more on a, a short-term basis yeah, I know my mum was, I think she was offered it in a sense when she started going through it. And when she spoke to the GP, the GP, or obviously, again, this is kind of like from, from my mum's mouth in a sense. So I'm not saying it's exactly what the GP would have said or from my knowledge right. or anything, but the GP had said to her, well, you can take it, but eventually you're going to have to come off it. And, you're, and it sounds awful, but you're going to have to face the symptoms yeah. at some stage. Yeah. So do you, it's kind of like, do you want to delay it? Do you want to prolong yeah. it? Or do you want to address it now? So it is a really difficult one. I know, Christine, you chose not to go down the HRT route. Do you mind just explaining what you decided in that sense? Yeah, don't mind at all. Um, yeah, it, it, for me, I, I, I know it's a solution and I know that a lot of people seem to get a new lease of life and they say it's the best thing they ever did, etc. And uh, And when some of the symptoms are going on, you're very tempted. But um, in my family, there is a history of breast cancer and I have uh, a condition which is sort of pre-breast cancer. So I was quite cautious about that. And also bearing in mind the fact that you do, well, potentially do need to face the, that, that uh, what's the word? Um, coming to your body coming to terms with that changing chemical eventually that I decided, no, I wouldn't go on to HRT. But my biggest problem with the menopause Yes, I had, and still do to a certain extent, have hot flushes. But my biggest problem was anxiety. I don't think it would be called severe anxiety, but for me, it was a big problem. It was quite a problem. It really was affecting me. And that was due to the menopause. So I needed to do something. I didn't really want to go down the HRT route. I think I maybe would have done if I really had to, because I couldn't have carried on as I was. But my doctor prescribed, prescribed me antidepressants. Um, and said they will really help or we think they'll help with the anxiety and they have and I'm still on them now um, yeah at some point I will have to reduce that but I think it's a slightly different um, change to come to terms with than um, the, the adjustment to not producing the estrogen I think it mainly is hormones so so that was what I chose to do and, and quite successfully with my symptoms um, for others maybe different solutions yeah, and I think that's really interesting. I know that you potentially had said that there's some kind of insurance implications as well, um, mm -hmm. if you potentially going down that route. Yeah, I mean, I was very interested in what Helen said earlier. Um, and I'm granted that it, this was a few years ago now, and, and that wasn't my experience. So I was looking um, for some income protection insurance a few years ago and um, went through all the forms and I think, think I had a tele-interview but I can't remember I'm pretty sure I did and obviously I disclosed that I was taking um, the, the drug I was taking an antidepressant for menopausal anxiety and when the result came back I was told that I'd be excluded for any form of mental health so I just kind of went 
oh, forget it then, you know. Um, and I was probably quite upset, quite annoyed, because I thought, I don't feel like I'm mentally ill. I've got a condition caused by, and as I understand it, and again, I'm not a medic, but I like to have an understanding. My understanding is the reason that you get anxiety and particularly kind of like panic attacks, like sudden pangs of anxiety is apparently adrenaline fights estrogen. And when you've not got the estrogen, the adrenaline's got nowhere to go. So it comes out in these panic anxiety attacks. So for me, it was a natural thing to happen, a chemical thing to happen. Yet I was being penalized. However, I was trying to do it um, probably through an aggravator or something like that. I didn't understand the value of financial advisors. And now, now where I'm in my career and knowing uh, financial advice, it really does demonstrate to me the value of good financial advice who would probably be able to sort that out for me um, in other terms. But I, I wonder if a lot of people have fallen foul of something like that when they're just trying to manage a natural condition. Absolutely. I think Helen would probably be able to go on to a, a very long discussion. I think we could have an hour <laughs> addressing that. So I don't know if you want to try and address that quickly or if we start to say, well, maybe that would even be a follow-up kind of session that we would do at some point talking about, you know, how, you know, with lots of different situations that are potentially just natural things, how that can potentially have some kind of an implication that we wouldn't necessarily expect. But I imagine that'd be very, very difficult in the income protection space as the rules and the algorithms of everything are set up now to actually to be able to go oh, hang on a minute, That's it's actually menopause related, so we can look at this slightly differently. I think it'll be very difficult, um, the way the underwriting is probably set up at the moment, to address that. Yeah, I'd just say very briefly, Catherine, um, I think it's one of the things that um, would have been worth a challenge at the time, uh, Christine, mm. and I think that's where the value of the advisor would definitely have helped. Um, it certainly would be extremely highly unusual it probably would never happen we, we, we wouldn't put um, exclusions on on life cover uh, probably ever um so if it was you know an income protection type policy it probably still feels a bit harsh but would definitely have been worth a challenge at the time yeah absolutely i'll just leave it at that and shan just coming back to you then so we've talked about all this i know we've talked about your experiences and obviously as you say you are the, the ceo of the cii what can people, what would you be, be your recommendation for, say, like for somebody like me, I'm not going through the menopause yet, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be facing it at some point. I'm at some point going to get this luxurious beard that you've promised me. <laughs> and um, and we're, I'm going to maybe, obviously, I'm slightly different because I own my own business, but assuming I was working for somebody else, what would be your suggestion for me if I was starting to maybe experience some menopause symptoms as to how to approach my employer about that and maybe even what would you suggest would be possibly some quite you know non-intrusive kind of um support that I could potentially ask for I mean it's part of me that started thinking just even saying can I possibly have a fan on my desk you know just dedicated to me as just in case you know that's kind of like springs to my mind but I know that that's my very very minor kind of outside of you and it'd be really good to hear your points of view as to as to what you think people should possibly be asking or even challenging their employers to offer yeah i mean i think all these things are uh, you know it's a journey isn't it i mean if if we, we've gone from the fact that you know you couldn't as you said you couldn't say any any kind of words like this without using a hushed tone um but and as i say we've been on that same journey we've you know seen that with you know, mental health conditions, we've seen that, you know, with physical, well, physical disability probably came, you know, before that, um, you know, so there's, it, it, it's not, it's not surprising that there are things which people are still finding their way with how best to, to help their colleagues. So, I mean, employers talk about inclusion, right? Inclusion, you know, inclusion is a mindset, you know, diversity, as they say, diversity is a fact, but inclusion is a choice. So, you know, in any in any employed situation, you're going to have a very wide range of lived experience. And I think if, if you look at the work that Johnny spent his whole life doing, you know, in all different spheres, that's what that seems to be really what the essence of what he's getting at is, is that we're all individual. You know, we're, we, none of us know when we're born what kind of lived experience we're going to have. And none of us know 
what is going to go well and what's not going to go so well. But what we all know is that, you know, there's a lot out there that, that can happen to us all in, in different ways. And, and the essence of inclusion seems to be that, that you know, you, you're, not, you're not set back by the idea that people's lived experience is different to yours or that, that they might need help with certain things when they don't need help with other things. So I, I think employers, when they talk about inclusion, this is, this is just what, what all employers are, are, are trying to, to, you know, to really just think about. Um, I, I noticed one of your, sorry, in the chat, I noticed the comments about, you know, flexible working and, or, sorry, and I don't mean part-time working by that. I mean, you know, flexible working and, and the ability to work from home so that you're not, you're not having to be present all the time. Um, you know, I think that is a that is a big plus actually of a lot of the new ways that employers are happy for people to work. Um, and going back to Christine's point about people who, you know, may want to to be quite private about it, it's it's therefore the flexibility of of how they're working that that actually could probably help the most with that. But I mean, I I, I experience in my own workplace. Know, if somebody felt that a fan would help them frankly they're going to say that in my in my workplace they they are definitely going to say that you know they might not spend five hours explaining to everybody exactly why but if if they felt that would make their you know work more you know better and would make them feel more comfortable then you know I think there is a there is a comfort level with with asking for what what would really help you um and and I I think these days as every as everybody knows there is still a lot of um, prejudice is probably not quite the right word. But there's still quite a lot of discomfort around about you know different things, largely just because people haven't experienced it before. Um, so I, I think if 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 you're experiencing that, it's a question of trying to explain you know how it would help, that <laughs> it would you know not not dwell on the actual thing itself, but you know this is a fact this is this is my this is how how it's affecting me and this is this is how it could be better for me um and if you think about lots of other things that we now take for granted about people having stand-up desks or you know people being told they've got to you know go and walk around every 20 minutes or not eat so many biscuits or you know it's all it's, it's all the same isn't it and but there's still just certain things which are not quite slotted in yet to that normal like you know lifetime day-to-day -day discussion that, that that is just accepted in in the workplace absolutely and i think um you know it's from an employer's point of view and i think what a lot of people would would probably hope i know from my employer's point of view is um, from employing people is that fact that i always just think i would want to treat people how i would want to be treated and i think that's the same with any of us and um, any colleague and it's just that thing of and it says just being a nice person and just do everything that you can support each other because we've all got our different things that we're experiencing. As with anything, we never experience anything exactly the same as someone else. And I think listening and like as an employer, I think a lot of people can get quite um, worried in some ways and think, oh, this is going to cost me so much money. It's going to be so much of an inconvenience. And actually, when we stop and listen to what someone needs, a lot of the time, it's actually quite small things that people need and it isn't something that's going to be massively um, expensive and even if it does cost a little bit the the loyalty that you would then get in return from someone the fact that you've listened to them that you've cared um is it can also it can go a great deal in terms of um that person wanting to work with you and and then wanting to maybe sometimes just start thinking you know what, actually yeah this is somewhere i'm going to stay and i'm going to really sort of like put lots and lots of effort in not saying that people don't put lots of effort in anyway but you know there is that kind of loyalty that we all get together we've got some questions coming through and on those certain things i know you mentioned sean the ensuring women's futures and somebody has mentioned um you know that they think that they're possibly perimenopausal and sometimes they think that they may be experiencing a bit of a brain fog and i know one of the symptoms potentially like we discussed this i think a little bit in this session and possibly beforehand as well is that there can sometimes be a bit of difficulty in processing and thinking about things in the same way as we would have done before the menopause and i think obviously we have come at this from an insurance point of view with helen so obviously thank you for giving that point of view but i think it also it goes across to a number of things. So obviously, for insurance-wise, it's a thought of possibly facing all of those forms. 
you know, it could be that someone's had a significant life event around the age that the menopause would um, typically start and they're having to maybe suddenly start and go out on this on their own. And those forms could potentially feel quite daunting. Um, and they may actually even walk away sometimes. And that's not to say the forms are, are bad. It's just that there can be quite a lot to potentially go through and think about if somebody is experiencing brain fog. But then also there's the aspects of, well, as well as people understanding and what to do in terms of their pensions and their investments and everything else. And we're at prime age as well for somebody who's going through the menopause to be really knowing exactly what's going on with that pension. Um, I don't do pensions, so I'm not going to pretend that I know all the, the fancy words and terminology, but in my mind, I'm thinking of people doing early drawdowns. I don't exactly know what that means, but I know that other people will do on the call and will <laughs> be able to understand as I'm sure Sean will be able to, to bring in some thoughts about that. But there's so many connotations as to where this can fit in and I know it's just like my mum as well, sometimes it can be even the simple thing of um, the energy company has contacted to say, you're coming towards the end of your fixed tariff. What should we do now? And the thought of using a comparison site, just absolutely, it's she just can't face it. And she has to have me step in and come involved. And she's gone from this being this woman who would be, she was the absolute matriarch of the household. You know, every bill, everything was through her. She was, she would be like spreadsheets. She'd have forms here, there and everywhere, folders everywhere. And now it just, it, it genuinely reduces her to tears to the thought of doing that. So, so is the brain fog something that any of you have experienced at all? I mean, not, not that I'm sorry. going to admit, it might be something that's maybe my husband might say that that, that was the case, but I can't honestly say that I've, I, I could uh, say that that was something I had experienced, but uh, I will ask him. <laughs> but it is something that can happen, isn't it, though, that confusion yeah. of decisions? Yeah. I think it's I the think make up your mind yeah. question, isn't it? You know, mm. I think, I think sometimes you, think. Yeah, you wouldn't. You would, no, I'm just going to, I was, all I was going to say was I think sometimes you, you wouldn't you would if, if you if you experience it extremely and maybe the, the the lady who's put the question in has um but i know that quite a number of my friends one of the reasons why they they said that they wanted to take hrt was that they had felt this um reduction in their ability to to sort of concentrate and their ability to uh, one of my friends said she felt like there was just a gap between her and reality a little bit and, and that was something she'd never experienced before. I, I know, I, I think some women experience that, you know, with, with, with pregnancy as well, don't they? Or, or just after pregnancy that people can sometimes experience that. Um, so, it, you know, it, there's no doubt probably that, you know, high levels of hormonal activity do, you know, can have an, an, a, a sort of an, an effect, which Christine would know more about than I would. But I think what, what, um, all I'd say about what effects that might have is I think one of the reasons that the regulator is all over vulnerability uh, it's, it's a very difficult word because actually in many ways it ought to be lived experience rather than vulnerability because the truth is you know we're all vulnerable to circumstances that we don't fully understand or we haven't experienced before or whatever so I think it, it, it's, it's slightly harmful in the sense it tends to, to want people to put things in buckets, but um, but it def it there's a there's a very good reason why the regulator is saying, you know, when your customers are coming to you, are you looking at that customer and are you thinking about that customer holistically? You know, what situation are they in? Why are they coming to you? What are they asking you? So, you know, this is this is one of one of the things that is very difficult about. Um, comparison sites or quick ways of buying products, whatever is, of course, you don't then have that interaction for somebody to just say, "Do you mind me just asking? You know, I, you know, are you going through a divorce? Are you, you know, you obviously the machine isn't going to ask you those kind of those kind of questions. It's just going to sell you whatever the whatever the the the, the product is. And um, so, you know, I would have said that, you know, for for women making certain decisions, if they're you know, if they do feel that they might need help, then I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. Um, and the practical side of it is is probably to, you know, ensure that you are using an advisor 
And of course, then the issue is, is the advisor themselves going to be remotely attuned or interested? But there are, I mean, you know, advice used to be, a, you know, a very, very skewed profession, um, but it is improving rapidly. Um, and there are now a lot, a lot better balanced uh, advisors and sizes of advice firm and types of advice firm. Um, so I would certainly advise to give that a go if you're even if you know if you're even remotely stressed about your your own uh, capabilities and and capacity at a particular time in your life. Absolutely, I think we're getting really close to time now, and there's there's some people, and obviously, thank you so much for putting in your questions. There's been some questions in terms of you know, is there any advice in in terms of um, trying to help with any kind of hair loss or hair thinning or potentially how to get comfortable on a night time or tossing and turning. I don't know if we'll have a chance to necessarily speak about them now, but Christine, I know that you've got, um, you were going to talk about some resources. Um, yeah, I mean, I was going I to say, to I've got a number of useful organisations which would be able to help with a lot of those things. I don't know how you want me to do that, whether you want me to send them to you and go out with the yeah, um, recording. Um, want to name or, them as well, just so that people. So I've got listed here, and I'll give you the links so you can put them. As the British Menopause Society, the Na the Daisy Network, Manage My Menopause, Women's Health Concern, and Menopause Matters are the ones that we have. We signpost ladies to quite often. Yeah. Yeah, so I've just put that into the chat as well, and obviously I'm sure that we can put links to that as well on the ISC um, space where this is going to be um, stored. Um, so something else that I noticed that somebody has put in um, as a question um, is in the terms of sort of as to how would the, the mental health side of things, like a pre-existing mental health side of things, affect possibly an income protection um, application. Again, that's, that's something that's that's a bit more than what we can discuss in the last few minutes. But if you wanted to contact me directly, please do feel free to do so. There's quite a few different aspects to it in terms of what the mental health condition is, what kind of symptoms someone's experiencing, the kind of the treatment that they have. Um, so it's, it's unfortunate. It's not one of those ones where we can kind of make a generic statement um, as to how that can, can be seen in different situations. I suppose one, a good thing to possibly end on is one probably one last thing for us to, to focus on is maybe something for us all to consider and then we can all say possibly one last thing that we want everybody to, sorry to leave everybody with maybe a tip one tip that you would have wanted to know pre-menopause so that you could prepare for it but somebody has mentioned that you know maybe what should happen is that um, this should be talked about more robustly and possibly the fact that there's maybe even a health and safety and possibly going into an equality act kind of area in terms of providing women with sufficient support within the workplace for something like this which is something that you know, obviously women we can't control it is just something that is going to happen at some stage and um and they've said maybe this could help us to um, address the stigma that comes um comes with the condition well not the condition because it's not a condition it's just a it's a thing that happens. I don't even know what to kind of call it as it, you know, in a sense. It's Not just a development of life. Um, but maybe that would be an interesting thing. Maybe it should be something that um, at some point there should be some standards of practice in terms of HR departments um, giving lots of guidance and training to all staff at some point in terms of how to support people. But um, I think probably with the, the timing that we have left, if I can ask each of you to do a, a sort of like a final statement. So if I, if I start how I, how I went early, so Sean, can you give us all um, a tip that you would like to leave us if we were, if we are pre-menopause um, as to what to, what to expect? Yeah, I wish I'd known Christine and, and all, all the very, very sensible places she's got to signpost people to, because knowledge is king with all these things. So uh, go to go to Christine and go to her websites would be my tip. <laughs> and uh, Christine, what would be your tip? <laughs> Cheers for that, Sean. Um, <laughs> I think is everyone's so different. So keep an open mind. You know, you may not suffer in the same way that others do. Uh, keep an open mind, but look for uh, help. It's out there. Someone will have been through it um, before, and try different things. Some people might find that holistic type therapies help them. Some people might find antidepressants like I do. Some people, so be open-minded and try different things and look for, for knowledge again, picking up on Sean's point there. There's lots of different there. Someone will have been through it before and someone will be able to help, I'm sure. 
Thank you. And Helen, what would be your tip? I think mine would be try not to worry about it. Mm. Um, it it's something that's going to happen. Uh, try not to worry. And if symptoms do start and they start to feel like they're unmanageable, there is help out there. So don't worry about it. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you all so much for your time today. We've had some lovely um, comments come through um, on the chat and in the question space. I'm sorry that we can't obviously answer all of them, but maybe we'll get some kind of a, a follow-up at some stage. Um, I hope if you've been here that you've found it useful, that you've maybe got some tips, and, um, and I'm sure that obviously we can put those links out there for you to have those extra support services that we've been discussing. Um, so thank you everybody. I hope you have a lovely rest of the evening and a lovely weekend. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Bye.